Good morning. Uh, I'm back. Uh, I preached two weeks ago, and I'm back with good news. We're still focusing on the book of Romans, which I preached on two weeks ago, and Chaplain Liz talked about last week. Uh, and for those of you who haven't been here, I'm going to quickly summarize Romans uh, 1 through 7 in, in one minute. Uh, so, God, uh, so Paul has not been to Rome, and so he is trying to establish everything he knows about the gospel of Christ. And the first seven chapters talk about sin. He establishes that everybody does it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He establishes that Christ being sent on the cross to die in our place dealt with sin and then talks about why do we still do it. It talks about the law didn't have the ability to set us free and talks about that we were baptized into Christ's death on the cross so our old self has died so that we could rise to new life. And then he starts here a whole new section. The rest of the book of Romans is about, so how should we then live? And Paul starts with good news. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he goes on to talk about a struggle that is still ongoing between flesh and spirit. And when Paul talks about the flesh, he's talking about that sinful nature that died with Christ on the cross, but hasn't got the good sense to lay down and stay dead. In other words, Paul is talking about zombies. <laughs> there is a zombie army, basically, Paul says, that is coming after us, and it's us. It's that old me that died with Christ on the cross. And I suddenly found myself, I realized on Wednesday that this story was a zombie story. I found myself in a zombie movie and not one of those new ones like uh, World War Z or iZombie or uh, the girl with all the gifts, but I'm in an old, classic old-fashioned zombie movie, uh, a Bruce Campbell movie, a Shaun of the Dead movie. And how many people remember a zombie movie and what goes on in zombie movies? When a zombie comes for you, what do you do? Where do, you, where do you hit a zombie if you want it to stop? In the head, in the head, in the brains, in their zombie brains. And as a zombie is shuffling towards you, what is the one word they are saying? Brains. That is correct. Zombies are here to eat our brains. And Paul says the same when he says it's all about a battle in our mind. The mind set on flesh, the mind set on that old self, on that sin that the old self is leads to death, and the mindset on the spirit leads to life. The battlefield is all about brains. Now, I didn't realize this until Wednesday, and so I didn't get a chance to ask for the Old Testament lesson to be read, but there's some correlation to the Old Testament lesson. So I'm going to tell you what the Old Testament lesson was that you didn't get to hear today. And it's a very familiar story about Esau and Jacob. And for those who don't remember, Abraham had, his wife had a son, Isaac, and Isaac's wife had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And they were twins, but Esau was born a few minutes earlier. So Esau is the older brother, and that means that he had the birthright. And I don't know if you've known what a birthright is. I did not, I had to look this up and learn more about it. If I looked at your will and you had two kids, for instance, I'm going to guess that in your will, you probably divide things equally between them. That's a, that's a pretty typical thing to do today. But not always. If you were in the Middle Ages, you would have given the older son everything, and the others would have had to fend for themselves, primogeniture. 
But the birthright in the time of Esau and Jacob is different still. The oldest son gets a double portion. So with two sons, that means Esau would get two-thirds of the inheritance and Jacob one-third. With me so far? That's all fine, but Esau goes out hunting and he comes back one day and he is hungry. He is starved. And Jacob is making a delicious stew. And Esau says, give me some of your stew. And Jacob says, sure, I'll trade it for your birthright. And Esau says, what good is my birthright? I'm going to die anyway. And so he trades his two-thirds inheritance for Jacob's one-third inheritance. So he gives up, let me make sure that this is clear, half of his inheritance for lunch. Now, I'm pretty sure that Esau was really not going to just about to die. He did not, as the story tells us, crawl into the tent. He walked into the tent and had this exchange. He was just really hungry, and he felt like he was going to die. But if you talk to your financial advisor, this is what is known as a poor investment. (laughs) To trade a half of your inheritance for lunch is not considered wise. Now, if you talk to psychologists, they would tell you that Esau has a low EQ. People familiar with emotional quotient? This goes back to a study that was done at Stanford years ago, a longitudinal study, a long-term study, looking, and it started with four-year-old kids. They sat four-year-old kids down and they said, I'm gonna give you a marshmallow. If you can wait to eat that marshmallow 10 minutes, this in four-year-old terms is known as long-term planning, If you can wait 10 minutes, you will get a second marshmallow. Otherwise, you're welcome to eat this marshmallow now. And what I didn't know until I read up on about it this week is that all the kids had trouble with this. That is a hard thing to do. It's sitting right there in front of you. And two-thirds of the kids ate the marshmallow, didn't wait the 10 minutes. But the one-third were able to wait and get the second marshmallow. But the interesting thing about the study was that they found that over the long term, years and years later, that the kids who got the second marshmallow were more successful in life. And they came up with this term emotional quotient, not IQ, but EQ, that the kids who were able to see the long-term value of doing something else and act in that fashion were more successful. And you could think about that. They were the kids who were studying even when they'd rather play a video game because in the long term, that was going to be better for them. They were the athletes who trained because they could see the long-term value of that. Well, Paul tells us a mindset on the flesh is death, and a mindset on the spirit leads to life. There's a good difference in the long-term value of that, right? If you found yourself on a road, and it had a sign that said, the bridge is out, you turn around. You don't keep driving on the road and enjoying the scenery. Long-term value is part of what the mindset on the spirit is versus the mindset on the flesh. Now, this concept that Paul has of flesh and spirit is not unique to these verses. You may remember if I said to you, quote, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember the book of Galatians, Galatians 5, we hear the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, and self-control. 
right? Anybody familiar with that? Do you remember that three verses before that, we get the fruit of the flesh? Paul talks about what the flesh leads to, and he says it's anger and malice and rage and jealousy and lust and several other words that we won't use in the children's message because it's going to cause some interesting conversations at home. So this is, a long, this, is a, this is an ongoing discussion about the difference between flesh and spirit. So as Esau is making this poor decision, he is not just have, showing it low EQ. I think that Esau is thinking with EOZB, early onset zombie brains. <laughs> he is thinking like we sometimes do when we're thinking with that part of us that is dead but doesn't have the good sense to lie down. He is thinking not about a road that leads to life and love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, and self-control, but he's thinking about his current needs and other stuff. Similarly, we didn't hear in the gospel today, but Jesus goes ahead to explain this parable of the sower, and it turns out it's not about farming practices. He's not telling you how to throw your seeds around. This farmer who throws his seeds on four different types of soil willy-nilly to the winds, and it's growing here but not here, he says that the seed is the word of God. And the four different types of soil are the four different people, four different types of people. Some are so hard that it doesn't, bear, it doesn't even take root. And some, it's so shallow that it takes root, but it can't grow, and it, and it withers and dies. But that third type, it says... It takes root and it grows, but it's growing among the weeds. It's growing among things that it turns out choke it to death because, he says, they have their minds focused on money and on the cares of this world. Their minds are on the wrong place. Paul says the mindset on the flesh leads to death and the mindset on the spirit leads to life calling us not to think with those zombie brains. But the good news is we happen to be in one of those zombie movies where there's, there's, there's a cure. Now, if you've seen the movie I Am Legend, there's a prequel to that, or the, the first version of that was with Charlton Heston, a movie called The Omega Man. Anybody remember The Omega Man? Charlton Heston is the last man on Earth who is immune to the zombie virus. And in the last scene of the movie, he is being, he has been killed or he's in the process of dying, being killed by the zombies in almost a crucifixion-like pose, and he takes a vial of his blood, which has the cure in it, and gives it to a group of, of strangers so that they too can live. Paul says, yeah, th this is not a subtle movie, by the way, that, that <laughs> ending there is definitely looking at what Christ did for us on the cross, died in our place so that through his blood we can find a cure. And the cure is that now that God has cleansed us through the death of Christ on the cross and through his blood, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And so Paul doesn't say this is a battle between flesh and us, just plain old us. He says it's a battle between flesh and spirit. And we have within us the indwelling power of God, the Holy Spirit whose job is sanctification, whose job is to make us better, whose job is to make us holy, whose job is to produce in us 
that kind of fruit that we find on that road to life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, and self-control. May we think this week with that mind and not with zombie brains. Amen.